Bloodbath and Beyond, episode 15. I'm Casey Mitchell. And I'm Burton Cody. And the weather outside is frightful, and Christmas has gone commercial, because today we're talking about the Finnish horror movie, Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale. It's action and horror, it's horror and action, it's Bert and Casey, it's Casey and Bert. Bloodbath and Beyond. Oh, Rare Exports. Um... This is a movie. It's a Christmas picture. It's a horror picture, and it's kind of you know it's kind of one of those children in peril movies. Yeah, it's a, it's a very recent movie too. It came out in two thousand ten. Yeah, um, but the the general plot synopsis is on on Christmas Eve, a boy and his father in Finland discover that Santa Claus is alive, real, and not at all of what we know. As uh, children in the village begin disappearing, and strange new bearded men begin attacking people. It's up to the father and son and a few oddball friends to get things back to normal. Yeah, that, that about sums it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's a movie that's uh, kind of the whole thing is playing with or playing against conventions. Yes. Uh, well, one of the first things I wanted to bring up is that this doesn't just take place in Finland. It takes place in an area of Finland called Korva. Forgive me if I pronounce it incorrectly. Korvada. Inturi, which is uh, an area in Finland which is uh, also shares a border with Russia, which is something they mention a few times in this movie. Mm-hmm. But it's also in fin- in Finnish folklore, it is the home of Santa Claus. Yeah. Uh, uh, in fact, it's it's surrounded by mountain ridges, and because of because of the fact that the ridges and the landmass look like an ear, it's that the folk tale goes that because of that ear shape, that's how Santa hears every child on Earth. Ah, yeah. I mean, this movie was thrown like tons and tons of stuff, uh, like uh, Scandinavian folklore. I think even more so than Troll Hunter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And we'll I, we'll definitely get into some of that later. But Corvatan uh, Tori, I just wanted to bring up just because of, you know a the connection to the Santa the Santa mythos, and uh, and b because it really sets up that this is an isolated location. Very few people live there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very northern, and our and our heroes are uh, reindeer herders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, um, it's the boy's father. Uh, the boy is uh, Pietri, I think that's how you say his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, yeah, they notice that the deer population is not what it used to be. Yeah, they because they're they're counting on all this deer meat to come in, and that's gonna take care of them for the rest of the year. Yeah, and now if you are thinking that eating reindeer is strange. Roger Ebert, in his review of this movie, told a little anecdote about how he did a, a little like film festival tour in Scandinavia a long time ago, and every dish served in Finland had some piece of deer in it. Like it was very popular to eat reindeer. Oh yeah, reindeer are very common and plentiful uh, in the Scandinavian countries. Yeah. So so yeah, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's odd at all. I mean, for for us definitely because we. I mean, our only contact with reindeer are really through Christmas stories anymore. But mm-hmm. over there, that, I mean, that, that's livestock, man. Yeah, they're just like uh, horses, but they're kind of wild. I mean, uh, c- cattle, but they're kind of wild, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, after de- they, they discover that the uh, that only two uh, runty stragglers have survived their whole stock of reindeer. Yeah, because there has been like some. A strange American like industrialist group, and they've been digging on top of a mountain next to where 
all the uh, reindeer herders live. Yeah. It's actually in the opposite side of the Russian border. Yeah. Because Russia, like, I think pretty much a whole half of Finland touches uh, Russia, if I'm not mistaken, if I know my geography well enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Estonia's down there and Baltic Sea or whatever. I, I, know my, I know my folklore tales, but I regretfully don't know a lot about the geography. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Finland... Uh, so I, th- I think they have a lot of ethnic Russians. Mm. Yeah, but I, I digress. Like, do, do, Does one of the characters have a Russian name? Or like Russian, or he speaks Russian? Yeah, so uh, the, I was also surprised by some of the uh, the bilingualism in this movie. Because there's quite a, bit of, uh, quite a bit of English in the movie too. And when I first saw it, I thought, oh, they've dubbed it. Yeah, I thought they dubbed it too. And I was a little, I was a little let down momentarily and... And I, was, I realized I was just the American company. Yeah, with the American characters that are just that are that already know that something exists out in the ice. They're trying to find, presumably, they're trying to find a Santa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, especially this one guy who reminds me a lot of the uh, the head Nazi in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I yeah, I kind of got that vibe too with the guy with the glasses, and he always walked around in an anonymous coat and a. Gla- um, and I he just has one of those fedoras. He's one of those like growly voices, yeah. Yes. You must do exactly what I say. So And he's he's he doesn't like his men cursing. No, you gotta be nice. Can't be, That's right. can't be naughty. Naughty naughty behavior gets you in trouble. Yeah, because uh, Pietri and his and his buddy who's a little bit older than him mm-hmm. kinda witness what's going on with uh, the excavation. And the excavation itself is kinda like uh, uh, the thing. Yes. In fact, I think there's multiple references to the the John Carpenter movie, especially. Oh, definitely, and I and I don't. I think that's very deliberate. Yeah. Uh, one of them is that there, there's no women on screen in the movie. No, never. Not a. I, I, there's no. There's not a single female character. There is, however, copious amounts of nudity. Yes, it's all full frontal. Uh, Santa Claus-looking men, like the naked bearded guys I was mentioning earlier. Quite a bit of it's kept mostly in the shadows, and they never they never like you know zoom in or anything. But it's definitely out there. Yeah, it's definitely out there, yeah. Unapolo- unapologetically so. But again, you know, Europe European countries have different views on this sort of thing than we do. Yes, and here we're totally cool with graphic violence, nudity. Yeah. You know, that's that's a no no. Um, <laughs> uh, because yeah, along with the thing, I got kind of a Rio Bravo vibe too from. The oh movie. yeah. It, well, where where at? Well, uh, kind of the, the basic storyline in the movie because uh, Pietri, his dad, and a couple of buddies they capture one of the naked bearded guys, and that other people <laughs> want, and that's kind of like the plot to Rio Bravo, and that John Wayne and, and Dean Martin, uh, Ricky Nelson, they capture this one marauder kind of guy, and they're waiting on for uh, federal marshals to show up to take him off. So they're having to defend this guy they have locked up in a cage from all these different guys trying to kill them throughout the movie. It's a great movie, and I guess we'll talk about it one day. Definitely. I I think this movie definitely had a Rio Bravo vibe. And, you know, Rio Bravo is a big influence on uh, the movies of John Carpenter and Howard Hawks in general. Who made the original thing. Yeah, made made the thing, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, the original thing and John Carpenter. So there, there's a John and, Carpenter and I would, vibe. I would even venture to say that you know the this movie might draw even a little bit from the Howard Hawks version because we're not we're not in the the body horror territory of no, uh, no. John Carpenter. It's definitely like it's, a, it, the lumbering monster type, the thing. Yeah. Uh, well, you know this movie's uh, it gives me a Guillermo del Toro vibe too. Yeah. How so? Uh, well, just the all right. The the main character is a precocious child who knows knows way too much about the 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 history, or you know, or the uh, the folk history of the 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 pagan Christmas traditions. Yeah, he, there's like that whole montage where it has the kid's library. He has extensive material. On, I am so envious of that library. Yeah, on Santa monsters. <laughs> uh, there's. You know, I'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but just there's a, there's a general like sort of magical vibe to it all, uh, and you know, just the the child's uh, the child's knowledge and perspective, and the fact that the adults don't tend to listen to him. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's that's one of the more interesting things about the movie is how cruel all of the adults tend to be. They are at first. But I think there's a definite sweetness between Pietri and his dad. But not not initially. Not I mean, initially his, dad, no. his dad shoves him in the snow to get him out of the way of opening a gate at one point. I mean, it's. Well, I think when we first see his dad, he's setting up a wolf trap with all these scary-looking spikes in the ground, and he has like a pig's head dangling. He's yeah. He, he's he's like skinning something in his butcher shop. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's. They they definitely want to establish that like the remoteness of this location, like it is one house in the middle of the snowy nowhere, and there's nothing else anywhere around it. Well, they they have a butcher shack. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, That's they're, about they're, it. they're they're eating what they catch and make. <laughs> yeah, they, they are they are roughing it out there. And Dad's worried about like Russian wolves because the kids uh when the kids when they looked at the excavation they had uh they had cut open the chain link fence which he blames on. I don't know, does he blame it on poachers or something? I think he thinks it was poachers because they do realize that it was cut. the The fence was cut with wire cutters. It was. And he's really animals. Wor- yeah, and when they see the, uh, I mean, th- that is a massacre when they come across those reindeer bodies. Yeah, it was like that scene from Dances with Wolves with all the buffalo. Yeah, it's just there's just like a hundred dead reindeer bleeding, and uh, and of course uh, Pietri, you know, being the the smart kid that knows what to look for. Uh, you know, he he pulls up one of the deer and sees a human footprint. Yeah, that's right. Just completely bare, and he goes, "I, I guess he was hungry," <laughs> but but nobody wants to listen to him. You know, he knows his monsters. He knows his monsters. I, I I appreciate that for one. Yeah. Does the I, I remember like he's flipping through early in the movie. It's actually like right at the beginning, all the Santa Claus stuff. Yes, and it's Santa Claus depicted as this de- uh, demonic type creature. Is that really a part of like European folklore? Kind of. It's it's not quite the same way. Uh, you know, maybe or maybe it is, and I just haven't read that particular story. But I believe that the version they're going with is uh, the Julopuki, which is uh, a Finnish creature uh, that pre. It's part of the pagan tradition. It's also called the Yule Goat or the Yule Buck, uh, and it was this. It was this creature that like looked like a goat, 
and it was very Christmassy, and it would come into it would come into homes and demand gifts from children. It didn't give gifts; it just demanded gifts from children and caused what a terrible uh, creature. Well, now it's you know, I mean, now like it, it eventually transformed over time. Like a uh, Santa used to uh, ride a uh, his his a uh, sleigh used to be pulled by a team of goats, hmm. and and that that came from the Yulapuki goats. Yeah, it was pulled by goats. Um, and it wasn't until Santa became an American tradition that the reindeer showed up, and the Finnish people, who were so surrounded by reindeer, were like, yeah, that's cool, we can go with that, we have reindeer everywhere. <laughs> uh, the goats thing probably comes from uh, Norse mythology, because Thor's chariot was pulled by goats. Yeah. Well, you know what, I remember a goat-like demon creature in the Venture Brothers Christmas special. Oh, that's that the Brock- Krampus. Yeah, that uh, Brock Samson has to fight it. Yeah, the, yeah, the the Krampus is a uh, well, he is a malevolent Germanic creature that is kind of Santa Claus's pal. Uh, <laughs> there's there's several Victorian postcards and things that uh, from from uh, from Germany which depict Santa riding in a motorcycle with the Krampus on his sidecar, and while Santa would come and give you treats, the Krampus would. Uh, grab naughty children and beat them, or throw them in his basket, or he'd grab them with chains and drag them to hell. Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, and, and he's still celebrated. I feel like um, in this movie, the books Pietri flips through, mm-hmm. kind of uh, blend in a little bit of each of these kind of Yuletide creatures, demons, or whatever. And there's there's actually one more creature, uh, which I feel like they pulled the. Uh, the elves in this movie from, and it's called the Tomti. Oh. Uh, that's that's at least its Swedish name. Um, I'm trying to remember its Finnish name. It is the oh the Tantu, uh, the Tantu, which are which resemble uh, the Santa we know a bit more. They were they were gnomes. Uh, the size of them varies depending on the story. Sometimes they were they were very minuscule. Sometimes they were half a human size. Sometimes they were larger than people. But they were. Uh, they were creatures that were said to defend children and animals, but you had to give them a, a treat of... They, and their eyes glowed in the dark. Uh, and, and they were said to... Um, they, were, they, they, could, they were very... They could get very angry if you didn't leave them treats of uh, porridge, for example. So they would hmm. kill all your livestock if you didn't, if you didn't follow those rules. Uh, eventually they became happy gift givers. <laughs> but, but generally speaking, they uh, they would kill your livestock, and they had poisonous bites that would make children wither and die. Oh man! Well, you heard it here, folks. If you ever start up a Ghostbusters team in real life, Casey would be a perfect member of that team. Hey, hey! I'm happy, I'm happy to be your uh, oh, your Egon. Yes, your monster ghoul aficionado. <laughs> Yeah, the the Tomty, he's a he's a he's a fun little character, but and, and definitely a little more like the Santa that we know. Um, and gradually, he sort of becomes that character. Now, I I did want to say too, as as long as we're on the topic of folklore, and this mm-hmm. movie perpetuates this myth too. Um, they mentioned that Santa comes from uh, Coca Cola, like the way we see yeah, it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a very popular urban legend, and it's it's mostly true. But the like like the you know the urban legend goes that. Santa only wears red and white because that's the Coca-Cola colors. Hmm. Uh, and it, the the picture of Santa and on, on a Coke advertisements was originally drawn by a uh, 
a, a, a guy whose parents had immigrated from Finland. Um, but he was not the first person to draw him that way. And in fact, Santa had already been used in that sort of form by other soda companies uh, in like the early 1900s. But definitely the Coca-Cola image became the popular one that was everywhere. Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, Pietri even in the movie goes, Coca-Cola, it was a hoax. Yeah, that Coca-Cola Santa's a hoax. A hoax. <laughs> this isn't the real one. Uh, it's like the Kennedy but, assassination or something, yeah. Yeah, we bring up the we bring up the Yule goat though, just because the the Santa in this movie, we, like we think all of these uh, this bearded man that they have and they have in their butcher shop chained up, they're they're trying to sell him. <laughs> yeah, it's the one Pietri's dad. Pietri's dad. Uh, it fell into his wolf trap, and they think it's a dead guy. And they're and the his dad and his buddy are like, well, we can't have anybody know. That we killed a guy by accident in our wolf trap. Those are illegal. How would we just yeah. chop him up? It turns out he's alive. And that's kind of one of the more thingish moments. Mm-hmm. The, the, there's a genuinely eerie bit with that where he's sort of, uh, I mean, he, you know, as we said, he's nude. He's he's hunched in a corner. Yeah. Um, and he's he doesn't move or he isn't phased by any like they're speaking you know fi- they're speaking Finnish at him they're speaking English at him because one of them speaks in awkward English like he's their interpreter but that doesn't work either. Um, yeah, th- this is and, kind of a scary movie. Yeah, at, le- at least in certain sections and definitely like when when Pietri starts coming around like we can see him like sniffing out the child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like he, he, his gaze does not avert until the kid comes into the room, and then suddenly he's like standing, and he's very interested, and it's uh, you know, and watching this sort of slender, naked, bearded frame, just like turn and sort of just give this child like this predatory look. It's very, it's it's kind of unnerving, definitely. Yeah, well, his his eyes literally light up when the boy appears yes. too. Yes, that that uh, that Tomty uh, glow in the dark eyes. But but yeah, they, they they get the idea that they're gonna sell this guy to the Americans mm-hmm. as a Santa Claus because they know that they're because the I guess they're convinced that's what it is and that's you know the kid has sort of convinced them that such a thing is possible. Uh, they, they don't even care if it is or not. If the Americans are gonna buy it, that's how they're gonna recoup their reindeer losses. Yeah, because um, what was it like? Supposed to be eighty-five grand that they would yes. make. They would have made from all the hand, the reindeer. So they're going to sell Artist. this one Santa for 85 grand. I like that they have one friend's like, are you guys nuts? Say a million. <laughs> That's right. That's, the Americans can pay for it. Americans are loaded. So they, they, yeah, they, they take him, I mean, they take him to the, uh, to the creepy, uh, <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark-esque American. And yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a pretty nice sequence there too, where the, where he's quick to point out that they do not have Santa. Mm-hmm. They have an elf. Yeah, we, we think it's a Santa Claus the whole time because we think, like, hey, don't they don't they rationalize that, oh, this is how Santa can be everywhere all over the world at once on Christmas. Yes. But it turns out there's only one real Santa. Yes. <laughs> um, the, the real Santa is... Just all we see of it is that it is encased in melting ice, and it's this—it's got giant horns, and uh, that's what—that's what makes me think it's a—it's one of those Julo Pucky uh, type, you know, Yule goats. Yeah, uh, they even like uh, cut off one of the horns or something. 
Yeah, it's a nor- it reminded me of like it was like they had a woody woolly mammoth or something. Yeah, they or they definitely it? they definitely didn't want it to get out. Yeah. Like it, because I, I think they even said it. You know, it it chased some early people across a frozen river, mm. and uh, it, it just happened to fall in and uh, melt. But I mean, the, these uh, <laughs> these elves have been abducting children, presumably to feed to Santa. Yeah, they have, and uh, all the the weird goings on in the town are like one guy who's a potato farmer. All of his potato sacks are gone, and all the potatoes have been dumped out. In his garage. Like, oh man, that that really weird bit with uh, the Pietri's. I, I wouldn't call him his friend because the kid's kind of a jerk to him. But uh, like the kid he grows up around. Yeah, the like mullet he, kid. I don't remember. Mullet kid. Yeah. yeah, he's uh he's he's replaced with this weird sewn together burlap sack boy that's very intricate looking, and no, none of the adults find this unusual at all. They're like, "Oh, he's probably just chasing girls." It almost That's what looked we like did some kind age. of like Caribbean thing. Yeah, it, it was yeah. very creepy, actually. But yeah, so presumably one of the elves had already gotten to him and just taken him out. At first, I thought <laughs> he turned the boy into a a, a burlap sack or something. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh well, he's, he's like those boys in uh, Pinocchio. They turn right. into donkeys, and they don't it's get turned the back. Yeah. You're, you're naughty. You're going to be turned into a burlap sack. Oh, gosh. But but presumably, I mean, Pietri is kind of not abducted because he's, like, the one good kid. I mean, he, he definitely is very regretful about having, you know, played his part in disobeying his dad and crossing the Russian border when he wasn't supposed to and, and, and you know, and possibly letting Russian wolves into their reindeer sanctuary. But, uh... I mean, and he he even asks his dad to be punished, which in a kind of odd scene. But yeah, he asks his dad to spank him. His dad's like, "What are you talking about? Beat me with a switch fifteen times. That should do." Yeah, and he tries to confess to his dad that he thinks it's his fault for cutting the wires that these Santas or the elves are here. Yeah, but the the Santas probably would have gotten to the reindeer anyways. So I guess he's kind of in the clear. And that, that's like what I was talking about earlier. This the relationship between Pietri and his dad develops mm-hmm. more, and you see that his dad really does love him. Yes, which I really appreciate. His dad makes him like gingerbread cookies, and he briefly says, "Oh, these are like the ones mom made." So we mm-hmm. we get an, a sense that oh well, he has a, a dead spouse, or maybe she left him. Who knows? And then he starts to weep. But I, I think that was partially because of that, and the fact that he's might starve to death that winter yeah because of the mom would have been the one woman yeah yeah one of the other buddies of pietri's dad mentions his wife's hair dryer has been stolen Mm -hmm. and the way he mentions that is another thing that made me think this movie took place in like the 70s or 80s because the one kid has the mullet there's nothing like remotely like current tech in the movie yeah. And Pietri himself puts on all of these all of these hockey pads that look like they were from the 80s. Mm-hmm. An old Jofa helmet. That... Did you did you feel jealous of Pietri having a hockey lake? Yes, I did. So, I I am a hockey player myself, but having grown up in the southeast, um uh, the idea of a frozen pond is that always that's always frozen. Yeah, it's, it's like my emerald on. city. It's just this is not non-existent. It's fantasy. 
So I was a little jealous, and his dad's like, oh, were you playing hockey? It's like, <laughs> I wish I had that excuse. Oh, I just strap on my pads, play anytime. I'm not sure about time and place, because, you know, watching, I don't know, let's, let's say you let the right one in, like, the, the haircuts in that are really strange, too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and the, the the fashion looks dated, but there is the possibility that that's also taking place in a much earlier time in history, so... Yeah, well, it's... you know, I, I like that this movie did that. It, you know, it gives a little bit of a timeless feel. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it might be because, you know, Christmas, and we associate that with, you know, you know childhood memories. And right. the director's in his 40s, probably. That's, yeah. you know, he was a kid in the early 80s, late 70s, mm-hmm. so... It would make sense, yeah, if he wanted to have like a nostalgic link to it that he would. And a couple, a couple of the child characters are named after crew members, so I think that's probably a, re- a likely connection there. Yeah. So. Like they're they're remembering their Christmases. The uh, the movie is great with the child in peril scenario. Yeah. It's not sadistic about it. No. But it's scary and it's scary enough. There's, I mean, other than, like, dead animals, which are all dead off screen, you yeah. know, uh, there's there, there's no real violence on screen. No, um, and, like, the excavation crew, they just disappear. We don't really see what happens to them. We hear them getting dragged off. Like, we see one guy's, like, hat get knocked off his head yeah. and hear him scream as, like, one of the elves pulls him into the darkness. But that's about it. Because I was, I was worried that this movie was going to be, like, oh, we're so irreverent. We're going to have this graphic violence on kids the whole time or something. But, but that, you know, that, yeah, it never comes to pass. Yeah, exactly. Like, the movie's just, you know, it's telling its story. It's moving along. It's very well paced. Like, it's an 85-minute movie. Mm-hmm. you know pretty short and it makes great use out of every minute i think very- i mean and, and, like like 20 of those minutes too are, are spent like without without really incident you know it's just kind of setting up the isolation and the father-son relationship not being so great mm-hmm. and and you know and they and they're sort of plight as reindeer farmers and then we immediately kind of get into it and it doesn't really let up after that yeah i mean they don't have an easy life out there in the sticks. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, although we can presume that there are people, like, I don't know, within a couple miles, because what the, the mullet kid rides around in a snowmobile, and they're just like, oh, he's chasing girls somewhere. Mm. It's like, yeah, but, but still, it's it seems like they're pretty far off from anybody I else. I thought we were going to see some girl children in the sacks. Yeah, well, you know, they might be. I mean, because a lot, of, a lot of the sacks are just like kids moaning and shouting. Yeah. So especially, especially the uh, the plan to uh, gather all of the elves in a pen. Yeah. Like like the, like they would the reindeer. Uh, the boy gets a plan to take all the kids in sacks and stuff them in a in a in a uh, net at the bottom of a helicopter. And the herd of elves are going to chase after the kids like crazy to bring them back to ice, to a uh, horned ice Santa. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, Pietri's dad and another friend are going to blow up the master Santa. Yes. <laughs> like the head vampire or something. Exactly. Yeah, and once and once he's out of the picture, I mean, it's... the, the... Okay, I'm going to complain about that sequence just a little bit. Yeah. Because I and I know they had a low budget. I think this this movie cost like a million, if that. 
Mm-hmm. So, but the the CGI on the helicopter escape looked really hokey. Yeah, it I mean, looked it like looked, PS2 graphics. Yeah. It looked like if you watched the featurettes on, um, I don't know, like Lord of the Rings or something, where they're showing you like those CGI crowds, and they show you like the version before they put any amount of <laughs> polish into it. Yeah, it it looked a little hokey. So, but you know, I I'm not gonna be too mean to it though, because I like I said, I know it's low budget, and they're and also, I mean, you're, they're not they're not gonna possibly have a child. <laughs> hanging from the bottom of an actual helicopter. Yeah, That's, there's no insurance company in the world that will sign off on that stunt. No, well, maybe in Finland. I don't know how it works over there. Sure. But uh, yeah, they, they, he's dangling on it. It's hokey, but you are invested enough in the story. That's right. And that, to that, it doesn't take you out of the movie. But then you have that sweet moment right at the end where he's he the the boy has thrown himself alone into the pen with the elves and they're charging at him, stampeding at him, uh, and he he just says, "Tell my dad what I did." Yeah. And of course they 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 stop very complacent because dad has just blown up uh, the master Santa with the have a have a bloody new <laughs> this year. Like, this sounds like a, a Metallica album, Master <laughs> Santa. <laughs> Presence imprisoning me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, so you know, we're, we've just given Metallica a lot of ideas. I know. I know. Uh, is it Kirk Hammett? I know he's really into monsters. So oh, yeah. you know, if you guys want to use this for a concept album, be our guests, please. Well, there is the uh, kind of fan version of Ozzy Osbourne or uh, Black Sabbath's Iron Man called Santa Claus. I am huh? Santa Claus. So check it out if you haven't heard that one. That was a mid-90s radio staple. Oh, heck yeah. I thought it was hilarious when I was in the, what, elementary school. <laughs> Me too. Oh, yeah. It was, was it that and Green Jellies, uh, Three Little Pigs? Yeah. Uh, did our dads play John Boy and Billy for us or something? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think so. I think we had, uh, I think both of our dads kept the dial firmly on classic rock and just told us that was the music of the now. Yeah, boy, you ever heard Grand Funk Railroad? <laughs> There's a band. Not like that Nirvana. Oh, Not like my dad ever talked like that. Spoke like that. Oh, mine neither, but, you know, I, 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 I definitely think I knew more about Jethro Tull than the average kid in kindergarten. Yes, uh, I, I learned some good bands out of that, though. But I oh, digress. Yeah. Yes. Enough about rock and roll. So I really do like this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's oh, well, totally unique. Oh, but before we get uh, to like final views, what were you going to say? I mean, the denouement is kind of the funnest part of the movie. Yeah. Uh, it, and it ties into the... Uh, this movie existed before... Before it came out as this movie, it was two short films. Uh, one which was released in 2003, yeah. and the other which was released in 2005. Uh, and the first short film, it's all by the same director. It's all by Hel- uh, Helmari Hellender. Um, he made these as the first two as commercials for uh, a production company called Woodpecker Film. Mm-hmm. And the first one was called Rare Exports Inc. It's it's viewable online, and that's about a marker, a sniper, and a tracker, uh, and they're hunting down you know a Santa Claus. And again, it is a it is a nude, large Santa type man. They're shooting with tranquilizer darts. And putting in the back of a truck to drag off, and it's it's all very nature documentary, like they're hunting a fearsome predator. Um, Santa Claus is not human. That's right. 
And the second film is a safety film about how to handle the captured Santas. It's called uh, Rare Export the Exports the Official Safety Instructions. Uh, and it it you know it shows like you know the training and uh, the the therapy that these wild animals have to go into to make them uh, good Santa Clauses to send out anywhere because you know they're they have feral tendencies and they'll they'll rip apart things that look like children. Oh yeah. So so th- I mean this this movie kind of encapsulates a little bit of that and just has a fun little fun. I really like that sequence at the end just where like father and son are like going down the line of different Santas and seeing which ones are ready. Yeah, um, that is the, yeah, the end of this movie, the the epilogue, if you will, uh, was what sealed the deal for me to really like this picture. And yeah, they've they've taken all of the helpers and they're educating them to be Santas to be sent out all over the world. Yes. Yeah. It's... (laughs) I mean, that's where I get the other uh, the other Raiders vibe because they they have found out you know if they have a hundred and eighty elves, they I mean they can sell these they can sell these guys for eighty five thousand a piece. Yeah, there's a very Raiders of the Lost Ark type uh, warehouse at the end where they where they where all the Santas have been put into crates to be sent yeah. all around the world. Timbuktu or whatever. Yeah, it turns out there's a huge demand. Yeah, um, I love it where it's all of the. The, it's like the four main characters from the movie earlier, four or five, and they're showing them like this is how you love a child, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you'd be a good Santa. Hey, hey, fur face. Yeah, that thing in the box isn't for you. <laughs> yeah, they give. They like you hand a present to the child. Yeah, fuzz face. Don't don't just throw the child on the ground. <laughs> like I said, it's like that, right? Like nice bit of sweetness or like light at the tunnel. That this movie needed. Not that this was a grim picture at all. It has a few no. kind of grisly things in it. Yeah, absolutely. But it gives you that light at the tunnel. Uh, but I, yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I will say, you know, if you are, if you, uh, if you're, if you were uncomfortable with male nudity, perhaps this isn't the movie you, the, the first Christmas movie you show your children. Yeah. But uh, you know, if if you have a more liberal, I don't know, let's say Finnish European approach, it's fine. I, I think there's, I think other than uh, the occasional old Santa penis, there's really nothing too offensive about this movie that you couldn't show to somebody. No, like, and and with a lot of old European, you know, folklore, like you were saying, they're some of them are gory, or they have oh, gory yeah. just connotations. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. There's there's no scene of a tom. Uh, there's no scene of an elf uh, giving a child a poisonous bite and then watching him wither and die. Yeah. No, I mean, nothing that bad. But kids are just kind of or people are snatched from off screen. That's right. Yeah. They're abducted. It's and also the implication is as uh, as Pietri mentions about the first elf. Oh, I know him. He's been spying on us through our windows. Yeah. So. It's, I mean that that that's scary. I mean that, I think as a kid you know you're definitely worried about that and mm-hmm. the, the, these are creatures that are definitely aware of when you have been naughty. They just sense it. Yeah, they can smell you. They can smell it in you. Yeah, it's just an, an an additional sense. Yeah, other than the Santa penis, there's <laughs> there's really nothing bad about this movie. Like. And and again, like, there there are no like hard zoom ins or anything. It's just there. Yeah. Like you know, like you'll see a crowd of them, and like 
and sometimes there'll be shadows and sometimes the covering up and then sometimes there won't you know it's just it's just there like they don't they don't draw attention to the fact but you're definitely staring at a herd of naked elf men hmm. yeah maybe a little unnerving if you think about it if especially if you imagine them all running at you at once and which they do yeah. <laughs> you know but uh yeah I, I definitely say it's a charming film and i I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I, I absolutely uh, recommend it because it's it's a unique Christmas movie. I mean, we all love Gremlins. We all love Die Hard, A Christmas Story. I mean, those are movies I watch every Christmas. I don't know about y'all. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, but sometimes it's nice to break out of just watching the traditional movies. Yeah, so. I'll I, mean, be- I, I mean, I can watch an endless supply of different versions of A Christmas Carol, but. Yeah, this is just a new refreshing flavor on the market so mm-hmm. absolutely check this movie out on uh, streaming yeah or uh, you know it's also readily available on dvd in america so yeah whichever whichever avenue you you you, you know you opt for it's out there for you yeah i mean we gave it a po- very positive review roger ebert gave it like a three and a half out of four mm-hmm. he really liked this movie i mean there's really nothing to hate about it nope so. I, I I take off marks just for one, you know, for for just one poor use of CGI, and again, given their budget, I can't hate hate on them too much for yeah, it. I mean, like it's it's efficiently told, it's efficiently done. Mm-hmm. So, Casey, are there any other kind of movies, Christmas time you you enjoy watching? Uh, like I said, I I really enjoy different variations of a uh, of a Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's kind of the original uh, Christmas ghost story. Uh, you know, yeah. so I, the other day I watched, you know, I watched the uh, the Mickey's Christmas Carol, which is the Disney version with uh, Scrooge McDuck and the Ebenezer Scrooge role, and I I love that one to this day. I'm more of a, a Bugs Bunny fan, so I've seen the Warner Brothers version quite a bit. Also the uh, the Flintstones version I remember pretty well, and there was there was several. I mean, God, that's the Muppets. One of, oh, the Muppet Christmas Carol is excellent. Yeah, it's really well done. Um. I mean, yeah, you've mentioned Gremlins. That's definitely a. I mean, I just named the kitten we just adopted a Gremlin, you know. So that's definitely something that's that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, also, I love the film Black Christmas. Uh, you know, I've I love, never seen Black Christmas. We'll have to do that next year. Yeah. Uh, I like the film White Christmas, which is you know a, a musical uh, from a, from a different era. Oh, boo, boo, boo. <laughs> And um, I'm pretty partial to oh another good version of uh, Christmas Carol is Scrooged with Bill Murray. Oh yeah, that, that one's got some really great ghost effects in it. And I, I like the one with uh, George C. Scott as Scrooge. Yes, is that one just called Scrooge? I think so. Okay. And also uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas Special, which you know is uh, another well-known one. Yeah. But I, I enjoy that one every time I can catch like it. That's like the most Wes Anderson-y cartoon I can think of. Wes Anderson wishes he was Charles Schultz. Don't even. <laughs> you gotta say, that has to be an influence. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's one of mine. I can't take anything away from the guy. Yeah, um, yeah man. Me, I, I'd like... Maybe not as Christmas Carol as much as Casey, but... Mm-hmm. I like a lot of movies that have Christmas by proximity, like Die Hard. Stalag 17 I just watched last week. That is, you know, that's a top ten movie for me right there. 
Yeah, I know that's one of your favorites. I still have to catch that one. Yeah, that's a movie that takes place around Christmas at a German POW camp full of uh, Allied airmen. Uh, Definitely check that out. One of the best scripts, I think, of all time. Um, Nice. Yeah, Gremlins. Gremlins is a lot of fun. Oh, we we just watched uh, Jingle All the Way. Oh, man, I I really like Jingle All the Way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it has a superhero fight at the end. You host a show about action and horror movies. Of course you love Jingle All the Way. <laughs> it's, that, that, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger's shining moment. I, and another movie I would love to do on this show, just given any excuse. Like, I, It's really goofy slapstick humor with Arnold. And I think and he, Phil I, Hartman and Sinbad. I think, he na- I think they all nail it in that movie, so... They do. It's. I mean, it's. It is a cheesy, cheesy movie, but I'm. I'm down for it. It's the movie with Jake Lloyd. Everybody enjoys. <laughs> what other movie? What other movie can you say that about? Poor old Jake Lloyd. <laughs> the kid never stood a chance. He never did. Poor, poor guy. Well, um, I think that's pretty much it for tonight, y'all. Yeah. It's well, kind of uh, flew so- by. It did. Oh, hey, uh, let's. I wanted to promote something. Um, you have just opened a YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, you know. Well, uh, you know, but you did an excellent, excellent supercut uh, of a ton of great, great cin- uh, cinematic gun violence scenes in film history. Yeah, I, uh, um, I'm a fan. That's why I host this show with you. <laughs> Oh, come on. Talk it up, man. Talk it up. Let, let the people know where to find it, because I, I really want to promote this thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I just I wanted to do, like, kind of a movie montage or a supercut, kind of like the um, Chuck Workman movies. I mean, if you don't know who I'm talking about, Google him. He did that 100 Years of the Movies thing. That's just great. They used to play it on Turner Classic Movies all the time. I wanted to do something like that, and I wanted to do with, like, my favorite uses of guns, like you've seen in movies. And, like... Your gun scene in like action scenes, comedy scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you, I mean, you, you juxtapose Taxi Driver with Daffy Duck. Yeah, <laughs> I think it works well in like Day oh, of the it, it Dead. Works yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it works perfectly. I mean, uh, creating a good MV is kind of a, it's an art. Like you can anybody can make one, but usually like you can tell where the where the talent is and where the talent's not. Like if somebody like anybody can set a clip to music, but you're like for the I, I've seen this one that you've done and I've seen a couple others that you're starting and I and and you know you definitely put a lot of thought into uh, juxtaposing like a moment in a song with a with a film clip like some like a lyric will make sense to something that you're looking at or like like a like a, it's a certain segment of the song will like tonally fit what you're what you're trying to you know show on screen so i i think that you put a lot of thought into it so i, I think that people need oh, to go and find it so you. where can they find it on youtube um just look up pistol packin p i s t o l packin p a c k i n with an apostrophe um my youtube page i have the username zombie cupcakes 01 so now y'all can all stalk me there. Um, that's right. That's the, it's the first thing up there, but hopefully not the last. Oh no, not at all. Like I got a few other ones at the very least that I'd like to do, and they're fun. They're entertaining. They're like it's fun little exercises and just making like an entertaining piece and sharing with people, you know, the emotions I've received from a lot of my favorite movies with everybody else visually. And now you and guys can. 
now you guys can see that Bert uh, is a good editor. I mean, he edits our show, so there's quite well, a thanks. few things that... Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, you do, you do a great job at making us sound less like goons every week. So I, I think but that, that's a thankless job. You know, people don't know uh, what goes to the cutting room floor in a podcast. But when you see something visual like a supercut, you know, you can definitely tell. So I, I recommend that highly to all of our listeners. Uh, also, if you want to follow us on Facebook, we're still at uh, facebook.com slash bloodbathcast. Yep. Uh, so in the meantime, let's talk about what we're doing next week. Yeah, next week. Um, you know, when Casey and I started the show this year, we were like, well, you know, we should do, you know, talk about what we think are the best action pictures of, like, maybe not the last 10 years. But how about, like, the last 13? You know, just cover the 2000s. Yes. And not just the best action movies, the best horror movies also. That's right. But, we're, but we didn't we didn't want to cram those all into one episode. Yeah, we'd have to talk for like 30 seconds about each or something. It just wouldn't work. We'd like to give each movie a couple, at least a couple minutes to itself. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, fair warning, I mean, those those episodes might be longer than our average episodes just because we're covering so much ground. I mean, so uh, we're doing, is we're doing action or horror first? We're doing action pictures first, yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're leading up to New Year's by doing uh, our top 10 action movies since the year 2000 and our top 10 horror movies since the year 2000. Bert and I are both developing our own lists. Uh, we're not going to tell each other much of what's on there ahead of time, so it's going to be a pretty pretty good surprise. There may be some overlap, but uh, we have we have pretty varying tastes, so I'm counting yeah. on there being some unique entries, too. There's a few movies on, I think, both of my lists I'm fairly certain you might not have seen. Good. So, I, I Likewise. Yeah. Likewise. So, uh, so look forward to that, guys. I mean, we, we definitely, we, we love doing the list thing. We're just trying that. We're trying not to burn out all of our, just like we didn't want to burn out all the classics. We're trying not to burn out all of our list options in case, you know, something, uh, a movie, you know, there, there's no movies that entice us right now or nothing we wanted to see right now. It's a once but, in a while thing. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think we're definitely pretty energized about doing this one because there's a, there's a lot of good modern gems out there that uh, people might overlook in favor of just watching the same classics, just like watching the same favorite Christmas movies over and over. You know, yeah. if you if you keep doing that, how do you know anything else you know has come out that's been just as good or better? Mm-hmm. Well, with um, with all that, y'all, uh, take care. And as always, I'm Burton Cody, and I'm Casey Mitchum. Stay bloody, my friends. Mm-hmm.